Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everyone, welcome to the Drinks with Jess podcast. This is Jess Brennan, your host, and this is where we bring the LGBT community together and its allies to share each other's missions and help each other grow. I hope everybody is still staying calm, staying home, and staying safe. And as you know, it is Martin Luther King Day weekend, MLK weekend, um, and I think it's very appropriate to to discuss this. But first, if you are new to listening to the show, please go on to pretty much any podcast platform that you choose. You can find us there. You can also go on to brandisenterprises.com slash be hyphen the hyphen voice for more information about this show and all the others on the Be The Voice podcast network. And of course, but certainly not least, you can go to dwjphl.com for all of our social media links, links to our archive shows, your drinks with just swag, because we have it all there. We have new stuff coming in 2021. And uh, I hope you check that out and enjoy it. I am still wearing my Drinks With Jess t-shirt that has been washed probably a hundred times and it just gets softer with every wash. So uh, I I think this is going to be a staple. I'm going to have to get about six more of these just so I can rotate them in and out. But without further ado, I am bringing back my favorite journalist of pretty much every platform where you can find him, BuzzFeed, Huffington Post, Hollywood Digest, you name it. He is everywhere, NBC out. Nathan James is with me, but we are having a different discussion today because we are not uh, Trump bashing today. Nathan, thank you for joining me because we are here to celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King. How are you, sir? How are you, Jess? It's always a pleasure to be here with you. And yes, we are celebrating um, an iconic individual, someone whose impact on American history reverberates with us even today. Mm -hmm. You know... There are a lot of things that I don't think people know about Dr. King, and I don't – I really don't think that they talk about it much in schools anymore, in history classes. But, I mean, this is a man who not only was just the epitome and, like you said, iconic uh, civil rights activist, but, I mean, he won the Nobel Peace Prize, I believe, in 1964. He won – the Presidential Medal of Freedom, he won the Congressional Gold Medal, and Representative John Lewis, who passed last year, actually led the marches with him in Selma, the Selma to to Montgomery marches. And he was such a man of strength and of courage and of nonviolent acts. And to see what's going on in the world today, he's probably very happy he's not here right now. Well, I have to tell you, I, I, I hate to think what he would have said about the Capitol insurrection in particular. Mm-hmm. But before I get to that, you know, it's worth noting that Dr. King, who was, by the way, described by Walter Cronkite as the apostle of the civil rights movement, mm-hmm. um, was more than just a civil rights leader. He genuinely wanted to see social justice done. At the time that he was killed in Memphis in 1968, 
he had actually gone there to support the sanitation workers from Memphis who were on strike, mm -hmm. not just for better wages, but to be recognized as human beings. That's how bad it was in the Deep South in the 1960s. Mm -hmm. And this is something I don't think people have seen very much of when we talk about Dr. King and his legacy. He wasn't, again, not only was he deeply involved, obviously, in the civil rights movement and in bringing about social change that way, but he was also interested in equality. I have no question in my mind that had Dr. King lived, he would have definitely been an LGBTQ rights act advocate. Oh, and, absolutely. You know, um, and he would have definitely talked to people like President Obama mm -hmm. and even Representative John Lewis in Congress. And he would have been pushing for marriage equality even as we transition from the 20th to the 21st century. Wow. See, it's it's hard to think that he wouldn't support that or any other type of equal rights only because I, I feel as if when somebody comes from that that posture again of strength and of conviction and if he said that he wanted unity that means he wanted it for all mm -hmm. you know and there are a lot of leaders out there today that that do the same thing but there are also a lot of leaders out there who do not they want unity for certain things but not for others you know, there's no sense of, of standard or, or conviction when it comes to human rights with, you know, some people who are legislators or even activists for certain groups or demographics. So when we look at, at Dr. King's iconic, you know, legacy, what do you think people out there look at the most? Because like I said, there's a lot that people don't know about Dr. King. What do I think that people look at the most mm -hmm. in, in thinking about Dr. King's history and his legacy? Mm -hmm. I think what people remember the most about Dr. King, of course, is his use of nonviolent direct action. Mm -hmm. Because that was absolutely revolutionary at that time. And he learned this. He learned this concept from a gay black man named Bayard Rustin, who in turn studied Mahama Gandhi mm -hmm. and how Gandhi was able to lead the Indian Revolution in the 1940s through nonviolent protest. Mm -hmm. So there is actually a connection, a chain between mm -hmm. marginalized groups of the past and how Dr. King form formulated his strategy on how he was going to achieve the end of Jim Crow and the passage of the Civil Rights Act in 1964. I think one of the things people don't understand today is that it was by no means certain that there was going to be civil rights legislation during right. the time of Dr. King. In fact, even though this was Kennedy's bill and it was later signed by President Johnson, mm -hmm. it was not a sure thing because even LBJ commented that if he signed the Civil Rights Act in 1964, the Democrats would lose the South for the next 50 years, which is in fact what happened. So that gives you an idea of the political volatility of even beginning to advocate for civil rights let alone leading very visible marches, being a Nobel laureate, and getting the Presidential Medal of Freedom, among other things. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a man who started his journey doing this from like 1955, right? Mm -hmm. And and I look at it today, and obviously, you know, we're, we're getting ready for the inauguration this week of President Biden and Vice President Harris. 
And I, I know that we're all very, very excited. And he has paved the way for so many to be in the places where they are. I mean, he was one of the first who was leading marches for a Black's right to vote. And seeing that, you know, between flipping the Senate, you know, with the help of Georgia, you know, and, and Black Americans, as well as just even the presidential election, I mean, it's it's amazing to see that one man was able to initiate all that change after all these years, you know, and he didn't even get to see half of these changes. No, he didn't. And, you know, what's astonishing that to me, one of the things that, that sticks out in my mind about Dr. King the most is when he became the leader of what was later recognized as the civil rights movement, he was very, very young. He was only 26 years old when he got involved in things like the Montgomery uh, bus boycott. Mm -hmm. And he was only 39 at the time of his assassination. So he was a very young man doing these world-changing things. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about voter registration, that was one of his top priorities, mm -hmm. getting black people the right to vote. Remember, we're, people don't remember, the, especially the younger generation, and it's no slight against them. They were just born at a different time. But the younger generation does not always remember that people of color did not have the right to vote mm -hmm. as a matter of federal law mm -hmm. until 1965. That is within my lifetime. That's not all that long ago in historical terms. Right. So now, Nathan, let me ask you a question while, while you're while you're talking about that and, and seeing people from a, a younger generation, a younger time. We, you know, I mean, obviously we have like a, a huge, you know, issue of systemic racism here. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I, I don't even want to call it systemic. I want to call it something even more because it has been in full effect this year. Um, you know, especially lately, but way, where did this, and, and maybe you could answer this for me, where did this start? I mean, obviously we had the days of slavery. I mean, we, you know, I mean, geez, I mean, it could go all the way back to, you know, when, when people came over here originally, you know, and the native Americans were here, but why was it always concentrated in the South? Like I, I never understood why it was, why it was that southern, you know, stretch of land that seemed to have more of an issue. But then you, you know, nowadays you look at cities like Atlanta, you know, and the the black community is the most populous, and there still isn't equality. So how did that how did that start in the South? Well, that started at the end of the Civil War. Remember that one of the things that Lincoln was definitely absolutely dead set on doing before the Civil War ended was getting the 13th Amendment passed. Mm -hmm. Because when the war was over and the states in the South began to rejoin the Union, he wanted them to join, rejoin a Union without slavery, that there mm -hmm. was not going to be slavery. It's in the Constitution now. There will never be slavery in mm -hmm. the United States again except as a punishment for a crime, as the 13th Amendment says, for which the party has been duly convicted. Mm -hmm. Now, out of that, you get 1865. Lincoln becomes, a, uh, he gets elected to a second term in 1864, gets assassinated one week after the surrender of the Confederacy. Mm -hmm. 
after that, Andrew Johnson is the president. Mm -hmm. He doesn't do such a good job as president. In fact, he missed being convicted on impeachment by just one vote. <laughs> and now we have somebody who hit it twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine how horrible do you have to be to get impeached twice in one four year term? Anyway, what happens is reconstruction begins as the South begins to rejoin the Union state by state. Mm -hmm. And what happens in the South is black people, former slaves in many cases, start running for office. They start getting elected to office because the 14th Amendment says there's equal protection under the law. Mm -hmm. Everyone who is a citizen of the United States who was born or naturalized in the United States has equal protection of law, which means what? Former slaves can now vote. Mm -hmm. And that means they also can run for office. Mm -hmm. Well, in 1870, two things happen. Number one, there's a compromise deal that puts a stop to all this in the South. Mm -hmm. And number two, the South starts passing what are known today as Jim Crow laws, mm -hmm. which disenfranchise black people, which create all kinds of obstacles to voting, mm -hmm. which basically set up the system of legalized segregation enforced by terrorism that went on from 1870 for the next nearly 100 years. Mm -hmm. And Jim Crow didn't die just because LBJ signed some legislation into law. Mm -hmm. The South kept enforcing that well into the 70s in some places in the small dark corners of southern states where people just don't go. Mm -hmm. So given that the South had a long legacy of slavery, that the black slaves that were freed by the 13th Amendment, and in some cases who fought on the side of the Union in the Union Army as U.S. Army soldiers, mm -hmm. they're coming back to a society that deeply resents these gains the slave owner does not want to sit in the same church pew with his former slaves. The slave owner does not want to look at himself as an equal with people he once had complete control over. That's not going to happen. In fact, one of the things that gave, gave rise to Trump's, how can I, implausible success mm -hmm. is he played on the fears of a lot of his constituents mm -hmm. that they were no longer going to exist in a majority privileged political spectrum that the minorities, which again, within my lifetime lived under things like Jim Crow, mm -hmm. were now going to become the political majority and mm -hmm. were going to elect people who had the interests of all the Americans at, mm -hmm. at heart instead of just some of them, which was the case for the past four years in Trump. Right. So the South, again, has a long history of politically, socially, economically, just about every area of people activity you can think of, of keeping minorities, black people, people of color, anyone who was not white and straight mm -hmm. in a second class status because it benefited them to mm -hmm. do so. Well, you know what? Surprisingly enough, it, it's kind of the same with Mexican-Americans because back in the Civil War days, the reason why Cinco de Mayo is so celebrated is that these parties were popping up and the money that they received from throwing Cinco de Mayo celebrations actually helped fund the Union against the, the Confederacy during the Civil War. And it's kind of like mm -hmm. because, because the Mexican-Americans at that time believed in an anti-slavery state. So they were supporting the union. And it's a shame to see what people have done and, and, and thought of or even feared 
the Latino community when they're the ones who helped build this country in a major way. You know, it's it's like the same thing. So I, I think that these are just so important to study and to look at. And I, I wish that more people kind of looked back and had the knowledge. But we did see – we see a lot of legacy of Dr. King, especially this year with the Black Lives Matter movements. And I want to get into all that. So I want you to stay with me. And for the rest of you out there, we'll be right back with more drinks of Jess, MLK style. Be back in a flash. The Drinks with Jess is making a big splash. It's time to join forces and step outside of our comfort zones. There is strength in union. It's time for people to tell their stories and make a difference. That is what we aim to do. The Drinks with Jess podcast is where we bring the LGBT community and its allies together to share each other's missions and help each other grow. Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time bringing you amazing guests that cover a wide variety of topics and are inclusive to all cultures and communities. Join us on this amazing journey. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Drinks with Jess podcast. Again, this is Jess Brown, your host, and this is where we bring the LGBT community together and its allies to share each other's missions and help each other grow. I am joined by my favorite journalist, Nathan James. It is MLK Day, Martin Luther King Iconic man, Nathan, iconic man, and you went into a lot of the history, but this year especially, we have seen the, you know, strength of the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm -hmm. We have, uh, in fact, we've witnessed the protests. I mean, we're both in Philadelphia, and when the, when the protests were going on, I don't like to call them protests. I like to call them actions for peace or actions for equality. I don't like to call them a protest because a protest is always against something. They're for positive change. They're for equality. And, you know, we saw such an outpouring of love and support and, and an incredible amount of people all over the country, you know, there were cops sitting on the sidelines on the street, letting them do their thing. They were peacefully walking. They were cheering. And then you had the people who were against this people, peaceful protest. You had, you had people in Fishtown coming out with bats and clubs. Mm. Like, you know, the, the iconic nonviolent way that Dr. King and even Representative Lewis – went towards making change we definitely saw it in these protests so why is it that that there are so many people that are just so violent against it it's like the people who are protesting aren't causing the violence well one interesting item that was in the new york times this weekend showed that when the police are at left-wing protest events they are three times more likely to use force against the demonstrators than they are when it's a right-wing protest. And we saw some of that during the Capitol riot right. this, this, this past week, that uh, it was just markedly different than what we saw last summer with the way that the police handled some peaceful BLM marches. You mentioned Fishtown. People came into Fishtown with these bats and these other weapons, and they claimed they were there to protect the police. The police saw them openly looking for trouble with these weapons in their hands, and they did nothing. Absolutely. And that infuriates me. That absolutely infuriates me. It infuriated, it infuriated me when 
you know, the, the people there, you know, supposed to be protecting the Capitol did absolutely nothing. Hey, let's just open a door here. Come on in, you know, and if it was a Black Lives Matter movement at the Capitol, it would not have been handled that way. If there was a Black Lives Matter movement at the Capitol and the Black Lives Matter people pulled the kind of nonsense that we just saw, mm -hmm. the Capitol steps would have been running red with the blood of members of Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. I can't put it any more clearly than that. I can't, I can't define the double standard that exists mm -hmm. any more graphically than that. Right. I, you know, it's, it's a shame to see that. I, I wish that those who are involved in protecting peace and protecting the government and obviously protecting the, the congressman that they would have that type of cider mentality. I feel like they should be interviewing people and, you know, doing background checks before they give them employment, even cops. I well, mean, I, th I think the standards have to, I think the standards have to, you know, really be turned around and be very strict because, you know, you have a lot of loose cannons in, in, in the police force. You have, a, you know, a lot of loose cannons, even in the military. Well, one thing that, that I, I noticed during the Capitol raid was there were a lot of off-duty police officers that attended this event. Mm -hmm. And of the rest of them, you know, we saw people that were middle-aged, that mm -hmm. were in the upper classes. Mm -hmm. One woman flew to Washington on a private jet just to take part in this riot, in this insurrection. You know, these are not street people. These are not lower-income people. These are not people that are really oppressed in any way other than that Trump has instigated this and he has emboldened them. Mm -hmm. uh, one, of the, one of the remarks one of my colleagues made, and I think it's very astute, is that what Trump did was he gave the KKK permission to take their hoods off in public. Yeah. And just to see how lenient these insurrectionists were treated, just how leniently they were treated. It's just mind boggling to me because we don't see that. Again, you're correct. We do not see that when it's Black Lives Matter, when they're mm -hmm. protesting the killing of George Floyd, when they're protesting the killing of Ahmaud Arbery, mm -hmm. when they're protesting the killing of Botham Jean and a hundred other people who died needlessly at the hands of the police mm -hmm. or uh, at, at the hands of modern day lynch mob. Mm -hmm. So beyond just the double standard, okay, you have Trump giving them permission to do this. The president of the United States is encouraging people to try to overthrow the government. Well, soon he is going to be the former president of the United States. And hopefully we just don't even say president in that line, just former guy. Mm -hmm. that, that's what I would like to see. But speaking of which, you know, it, it is Martin Luther King weekend. And we have the inauguration, and obviously we have seen some wonderful changes come about. I mean, we have Vice President Harris, who is, I mean, making history again, because she seems to just make history every time she goes after something, and she is absolutely amazing. So do you, do you see a, just a reverence for what Dr. King you know, fought for in all of these people, Stacey Abrams, Kamala Harris, even, you know, some of the new congressional members or even some past congressional members. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Particularly in Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams is doing exactly the kind of thing. She's badass. She, she's, she's really something else. She deserves her roses right now. Mm -hmm. um, and she has spent the past several years doing exactly the kind of thing that Dr. King did in the 1960s. She's been getting out the vote. Mm -hmm. Those two senators, Asaf and Warnock, that just got elected from Georgia, they owe their seats to Stacey Abrams. Absolutely. Without a question in my mind. Do I think Kamala Harris is a carrying forward of Dr. King's legacy? Yep, I sure do. Mm -hmm. I sure do, because now we've had a black man be president. We're having a black and South Asian woman being vice president. This is the legacy of the change Dr. King fought all his professional life for mm -hmm. and for which he gave up his life. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you, it, you can even see the sense of, of pride in that feeling of legacy already in the younger generation that were just so enamored that night when when they won the presidency and you know kamala comes out in her white suit you know and joe comes out they have great music playing and you could see it when she was speaking even when when president biden was speaking you could just see the the tears of of joy but the tears of history like right there on the screen with everybody who's watching and that is probably when you see that happen and you see that legacy continuing on in the path it's supposed to continue on there is just something so positively gripping about it that you can't you can't help but feel a sense of pride knowing that you were a part of helping make that happen and i'm sure dr king would be be very uh very pleased to see um to see the newcomers coming in. So what are you going to be doing on Inauguration Day? Well, I'm going to get all of my uh, other work done early so that I can watch Joe Biden and Kamala Harris be sworn in with my own eyes. And then I'm going to breathe a long, deep sigh of relief that the Trump years are finally over. I'm going to toast the beginning of the Biden presidency, and I'm going to renew my hope for the future, which has been sadly dormant these past four years. Yeah, it has. But you know what? This is a, this is a good turning point. I think uh, all of us are going to have a good night's sleep that night. I, I hope so. And I think they're going to do an amazing job. I think everybody that's coming in is going to be doing an amazing job. So, Nathan, I want to thank you so much for joining me. This is always, always, always such a pleasure talking to you, not only just about politics, but about, you know, historical moments like this, because... You're the man who knows it. I feel like you're like an encyclopedia for me because you really, you know, you you know your stuff. Like there's nobody better to come to with these conversations. And so I, I deeply honor you for, for joining me with that and for the rest of you out there. We'll see you next week. We'll be talking to you soon. Have a good night. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.